Managing diabetic pets is a significant challenge in veterinary medicine. This week, we've got an expert to bring you the latest in managing diabetes and even diagnosing it before it becomes fulminant on the Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And if you've been in clinical practice for any length of time, whether a veterinarian, a veterinary technician, a receptionist, CSR, whatever, you know the challenges that our clients face when managing a diabetic dog or cat. Well, today we're going to tell you that maybe the old rules and ways of doing things really have become outdated and we're going to share with you some information on A1C and how that really transforms your management of diabetes. We're also going to talk about pre-diabetes in the veterinary setting as well as the future of inflammatory biomarkers. I can't wait to introduce you to our guest, but before we do, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And guys, today I am really thrilled to bring you and this is not a sponsor. This is just a guy who's amazing. He has a company called Baycom Diagnostics, but a friend and a colleague and a person who's really changing the world for the better, for pets, in my opinion. And that is Gus Ray. And Gus is the founder, CEO of Baycom Diagnostics, which he's going to tell us all about. But in a short version, this guy started out, you know, he did a lot of other things, uh, but primarily he worked at Florida State University where he was the director of commercialization and corporate and foundation development. And that sounds like a mouthful, but basically back before it was a thing, he was actually telling people how to do startups. He was taking students and scientists with great ideas and bringing them into a commercial realm. So this guy has done amazing. In fact, I think Gus raised 15, 20 million dollars, you know, with all of the companies he was involved with. But now he is in our world. He is helping out with diabetes and inflammation. And I just want to thank you so much, Gus Ray, for joining us on the Veterinary Viewfinder. Thanks, Ernie. And I appreciate that introduction. <laughs> well, look, and there's so much more to it. I don't want to get into it. You are an amazing individual. But but just bring it back to the Viewfinder family, Gus. How did you get into Baycom? Like, so where did you pivot from Florida State? You worked there for a long time and said, wait a second, there's this unmet need in the diagnosis of diabetes in pets. How did you get there? Yeah, so I started out my career doing research at UC Davis and Scripps Clinic in the cancer research area. And so um, by heart, I'm a scientist um, and entrepreneur, but was also fascinated by the business side. And so um, as I progressed through the science side, I went to get my MBA from Florida State um, with the anticipation of learning more about consumer products and wound up in Silicon Valley doing a startup, which was amazing. Um, and part of that led me to learning more about A1C on the human side from a consulting gig I was doing. And so I quickly came to the realization, I'm like, why isn't there an A1C test for cats and dogs? That seems like since it's the gold standard and the best test on the human side, let's bring that level of care to the cats and dogs, being a cat and dog lover myself. And so uh, I thought I would be able to just take one of the human A1C tests and port that over to cats and dogs and well, 12 years later, uh, <laughs> I figured out that's not so easy to do because that's why there's never been a test. And so 
I had my first aha moment about five years in where I figured out most of the dogs. And then my uh, next aha moment took three years to figure out cats. They really are a different animal. And I say yeah. that in all the positive ways, um, but right. they were really, really hard to do. And so once I figured out cats, uh, because vets demanded or strongly insisted that if they were going to have an A1C test, it would have to do both because cats were so difficult to diagnose and manage when they came down with diabetes that uh, I went back to the bath, okay? went back to the drawing board, figured them out. And about three years ago, was fortunate to get national distribution for my A1C test for cats and dogs. So uh, that really kickstarted everything once I got into distributorship. Um, and since then, it's been you know a great road of of getting the early adopters A1C test on the veterinary space and watch their their reactions just to what a reliable, what a great test it is to help them diagnose and manage diabetes. Right. And and before we get into all the specifics and details, I mean, obviously there's a direct linkage between what Gus is doing at Baycom with A1C and my work in Pet Obesity. We're going to really get into that towards the end of this conversation, but there's a lot of synergy. But let's let's dial it back because a lot of the viewfinder family are going, wait, I never heard about A1C. And that's because there haven't been good standards, validated values. I mean, so explain to us why they haven't heard about it and why they should pay attention today. Yeah, so part of the reason was vets grew up in medical school doing a test called fructosamine. And it, it's a little bit complicated on how fructosamine works, but let's just say it's a short test. It gives you the average about seven to 10 days of glucose levels. So that's all they've had and that's all they've known. They never knew that A1C was a possibility like their doctor uses on the human side. And so now that they have this A1C test, it's really great to see um, how quickly they're adopting it and how how they've really wrapped their arms around it and said, wow, this really is a better way to, to diagnose and manage diabetes. Right. And I do want to point out, viewfinders, I mean, this is the gold standard by far for human diabetes management. Uh, but also at the same time, what, what, what they've done at, at Baycom has come up with a cheaper test than even fructosamine. I mean, that, that's still largely true, right? Yeah, that's absolutely true. We, from the get go, we wanted to make sure that when we came out with A1C, that it not only was a better test, but it was more cost effective than the current alternatives on the market. And we're about 20% cheaper than the, than the current test that they have. That's not as accurate or as reliable, which again, is called that fructosamine test. And so one of the ways we do that, or one of the main reasons is we do a mail-in dry blood spot test. And it's so easy to use because the, uh, the vet techs or the veterinarian just put a couple drops of whole blood on this special paper on our form, let it dry mail it to us. And once we get it, we test it and send them the results. So it's super easy, super fail proof for them to use. Yep. And also you've taken additional steps because again, as we mentioned, this is the gold standard. You guys comply with some like human standardization programs, right? Yeah. So everything we do, we get manufactured in the uh, FDA manufacturing facility and we go the extra mile on that. Uh, unlike on the human side, we test every single sample we get four times because we want to make sure the results that we send out to the veterinarian who's going to be changing, you know, the amount of insulin they give or treatment they give and or exercise. And so that result, in our opinion, needs to be as perfect as possible. So we do test everything four times and we go the extra mile on everything. 
So I guess I, I for me, I'm just kind of like, I, it sounds like a no brainer. Like I, I don't understand, you know, you say, well, we learned fructose, fructose amine in school and, and that makes sense. It's what I came out of school knowing. How come this hasn't caught on more quickly? I, I guess what are the barriers that you're seeing? And then I guess the second part of that is really break this down and, and explain to us why A1C is so much better. Like what is it that makes it so much better um, so that we can understand why this is the way we should be going? Yeah, so I'd say that the barriers to higher adoption for A1C is, is one, education. They just need to be aware that A1C is available, and we're doing as much as we can to do that. And two is we find that veterinarians are so busy in their current practice that getting or adopting a new product or a new drug or whatever it is takes them time. And once they adopt A1C, we, we never lose a customer, and so we love that. And um, on the education to circle kind of back around the differences and why A1C is so much better is that you're testing hemoglobin inside the red blood cell. And so you've got this protein that's 80% of the protein in your blood. So you're testing a very large amount of protein that's protected inside a red blood cell. So let's say the animal has Cushing's or some other disease that's causing massive inflammation. This protein's protected inside a red blood cell so that when we get it in the lab, we don't have to worry about it being oxidized or degraded and then giving you a false positive or false negative. You're always going to get a very reliable, consistent result on how that animal's doing on managing its glucose levels. Right. So again, compare and contrast this with fructosamine because this is where I think A1C is just a no-brainer. Yeah. So fructosamine, unlike hemoglobin or A1C, what we're testing is this free protein that's floating around in the blood. And so it's constantly getting oxidized and degraded and turned over. That's why it only lasts about seven to 10 days. And so when you test that, you also have to be very careful when you're clinically treating the animal, what else is going on there? Because this protein may be very unstable. And so very often you get back um, on fructosamine if you have another underlying condition or that animal's under a lot of stress you'll get a false negative or a false positive. And that's the worst. If you get a false negative or a false positive, even worse, and you're treating the animal with insulin and it doesn't need insulin, you've now done more harm than, than when you started. Okay. Now, the other part though that I really want to get into is what period of time are we measuring for average glucose here? This is where it just is skyrocketing difference. Yeah. So an A1C test for cats give you the last 70 days of average glucose levels, and for dogs, it's the last 110 days. And the reason that's a little different is because the red blood cells that are protecting the protein that we test, are their average lifespan is a little right. bit different. And for cats, it's 70 days, and for dogs, it's 110 days. Yeah. So again, just go back to your old hematology and you go, oh, okay, that makes sense because it's the lifespan of the red blood cell that's your limiter here. It's amazing. Now, Becky, you're here today. Obviously, you're a veterinary technician. You're hearing this maybe for the first time. What are you thinking? Well, like, I guess it kind of just goes back to my first question, which is like, it just feels so it feels so much better. Right. It feels like less blood. It feels like more reliable testing. I've always 
first of all, I'm not gonna. I hate diabetes. I hate endocrine diseases. <laughs> I like. I know everyone out there that loves them is like gasping, and the cars are swerving and crashing off the road. And like, I'm sorry, guys, but <laughs> you know, I, I always feel like I'm never getting in front of the true values because I know that stress is a factor. I know that you know the collection. Just getting to me has affected the the levels of insulin in the blood. So it, it never really feels like something I'm able to clearly get at. I feel like we're kind of throwing darts a little bit and I just hate that feeling. So for me, when I hear about a test like this where I know I can look at averages over such a long period of time, it it, it stands out to me in, in a big way um, and it makes me feel like we can maybe get some more reliable diagnosing. So I guess my biggest thing is just like I can't believe it's not more popular. So I'm always kind of like, what's the catch? Right. And there is no catch. But Gus, a couple of quick things. Number one, let's start off explaining how A1C may be used to help diagnose diabetes earlier in dogs and cats. Yeah, that I mean that could have a massive impact on the veterinary industry and to the pet owner, quite frankly, because you know, once your animal is diagnosed with, you know, full-blown diabetes, you're you're left with some serious um, uh, things to consider because, you know, in a lifetime of insulin and the quality of life of the animal. And so um, it becomes quite, quite the traumatic event. And with A1C, because you've got such a long average, 70 and 110 days, you can say with a lot of degree of confidence that if it's entering in that pre-diabetic stage for the cat or dog, you've caught it early enough that you can intervene and give that animal a great quality of life. I'd say normal quality of life if you're able to change exercise and diet and not need any insulin or any other uh, uh, medical um, uh, subscriptions for that animal. Yep. Okay. So when does, uh, because I want to get to the second part of this, but when does the A1C start to see elevations? Like, so it's commiserate with X blood glucose level. Yeah. So for cats and dogs, they're not as tolerant of uh, glucose levels as people are. And so an A1C from the research and literature above a four is considered entering into the pre-diabetic state, whereas for people, once you the FDA said once you're above 5.8, you're considered a diabetic. And so once you get close to that line in the high fives or in the mid fives, yours and my doctor would say, okay, you're pre-diabetic, and so we need to intervene with diet and exercise. But once you're above 5.8, you're as a person, you're definitely considered diabetic at that point. And cats and dogs are similar in that you know. Once that cat dog gets above 4.0, you're definitely in the very slippery slope of no return. Okay, but but I, people understand that, but equate it to something that they are comfortable with, which is blood glucose. Because like fructosamine, you know, we know sort of where that begins to impact. Obviously, that's a, a different oxidative process. But tell us, how do we connect A1C levels with a blood glucose level? Yeah, so... A four on the A1C scale for cats and dogs would be the equivalent of, of 120 on a glucose meter to 130. Right. And so once you get to that range, which is pretty close to people where your doctor would right. start saying, you know, on a glucose scale, humans, cats and dogs were very similar in that you get to that 123rd range, you're, you're definitely dancing a, a very dangerous dance. So I guess to tie into that, you know, when we start to think about human medicine and when they start testing for A1C, um, obviously obesity is is one of the most major factors, right, that we start to, to talk about pre-diabetes in humans. So I guess kind of where does that link in? I mean, I feel like I almost see this as a tool <laughs> for talking to clients who have pets who are yep. obese and, and to start saying, you know, I'm worried about diabetes in your cat. And I think we, you know, that we need to, to do this. Amen. Yeah, and 
the timing is really good because we just got back 30 tests where we focused our A1C test right at an A1C of 4.0. So we could get really fast, quick, high throughput for the veterinarians and said, you know, if we could tell you if your animal was above four or below four, and then you could then follow up with A1C testing to to actually, you know, uh, clinically diagnose the animal, would that be helpful? And so we just got 30 back and we asked them to test uh, dogs and cats that were over seven years and cats more like over 10 years. And more specifically, we wanted a big portion, portion of them to be obese. And so what we found so far, and it's a relatively small sample, but it is 30, is that about 30% of the uh, animals that came back were uh, in that pre-diabetic state and they were obese. And the other 30% were elderly animals. So what we're seeing in this small sample is 60% of them were already at that tipping point above four where intervention is needed quickly or that animals begin to become diabetic. Right. And Gus, the intervention at this stage is not necessarily insulin. See, this is the huge breakthrough that we've been waiting for because like you said, when we diagnose it, when we've already got insulin resistance and we've got failure of pancreatic beta cells, it's too late. I mean, now we're going to be supplementing insulin in most of these patients for the rest of their life. That's a challenge. Becky, you and I know the number one treatment for long-term treatment for diabetes in dogs and cats is euthanasia. Sadly, hate hate to put it out there, but this is just a fact of life. So Gus, you know how supportive I am. Anytime I can get in front of this and potentially intervene with lifestyle, exercise, diet, wow. I mean, you're seeing now why I get so passionate about this viewfinders. Yeah, we could probably have a whole nother conversation about diet because it's so complicated, not just in humans, but in cats and dogs too. And cats and dogs are so different, but a diet intervention at this early stage could have profound effects on that animal's quality of life. Okay. So viewfinders, I really want to hear from you. You know, this concept of prediabetes, you've heard me and others speak about this for over a decade. Uh, We still don't quite have it yet. But uh, is this something that you're interested in? Because we really want to hear from you. Now, um, I do want to spend slightly um, outside of the A1C. And let's talk about just the general, I guess, progression and advancement in inflammatory biomarkers in humans and, of course, in dogs and cats. So, so Gus, tell us a little bit about what's in your crystal ball looking forward. Yeah, so inflammatory markers are probably one of the biggest things that I think that we're going to see over the next years of viewers of my doctors and, and veterinarians really paying attention to because it has such an impact on longevity and your overall uh, health. We definitely are looking at all those markers for specifically for cats and dogs. And one example is my own personal dog, my Labrador. He turned eight uh, a year and a half ago, and he's had A1C all his life, and he's been totally normal 3.3, just like a rock every single time. When he turned eight, all of a sudden his A1C jumped to 5.8. And I then checked wow. some of some of his other inflammation markers. His vitamin D was off, C-reactive protein was off, ERP was off, uh, and and his hormones seemed to be fluctuating too. And so, first thing we did was stabilize his A1C, which had a drastic impact uh, on the rest of his biomarkers. Wow. And this is, this is the future people. I mean, this is what I get so excited about, you know, not only do you know, I write about this and in, in clean pet food revolution, but this, the ability to gain insight into what's happening at a cellular level, particularly with inflammation, it's going to transform medicine in general. And, and really, I guess, Gus, not transform medicine, transform preventive medicine. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago that dogs, I'll just focus on dogs for a minute, were living to 16 to 20 years. Even the bigger breed dogs like Labradors and 
their lifespan has just plummeted to around 10 to 12 years now. And you got to believe that a lot of that's diet and inflammation that's causing that early mortality. And so that's one of the things we're really focusing on here. And I try to work with most of the major dog food manufacturers, like one of them, their first name starts with blue, the other one starts with royal, and they're really getting A1C as a marker to help them develop better dogs for the better dog foods for this. Yep. So again, we love screening. Like to me, A1C is a no brainer in two situations. One, a dog or cat with obesity done. You need to be looking at this because you're probably going to uncover a lot of problems that you didn't realize were there. Number two, senior dogs and cats, because we know as they age, not, I mean, again, this doesn't just impact diabetes and insulin production, but this is also an indicator of other inflammatory processes. And what I think, Gus, the value of A1C is this now gives me leverage to say we need to do more testing. Yeah, I agree. Becky, please chime in in that jumping over to the cat side, cats are very difficult to diagnose and treat and monitor on their glucose levels because they undergo this thing called, not to get too technical, but stress hyperglycemia. And what that means is oh, yeah. you can literally <laughs> look at a cat and its glucose levels or put it in a corner or approach it with a needle or a lancet and its glucose levels will go from 100 to 600 or even 1,000 we've documented. Super wow. high stress, super high glucose response. And A1C negates all that because its average is over 70 days. So it may spike you know, for an hour. It's not going to impact the A1C levels, which gives you a lot more confidence. Yeah, I think that's you know exactly the point I kind of was getting to where I just feel like we don't get that. So I, I, for me, I think that's what excites me the most. I mean, obviously, there's a multifaceted approach here in terms of of using it for a tool. I, I was I loved what you were talking about with your dog actually in creating a baseline normal for your dog in that um, you know you were testing levels just because you know you have access to them and you know it's something that is is worth thinking about I think as well as is knowing the normal for each individual pet as they come in um, as we're doing annual wellness checks. It, I mean it makes a lot it makes a lot of sense at home to me. But um, sorry, you made me stay home because I read your writing. <laughs> it makes it makes a lot of sense to me for sure. But then, you know, the part that this elevates, I guess, the most for me is the idea that we can we can use this with our cats who, like you said, can be the most stressed. So, tell me a little bit: does this is this something clients can take home and actually be doing at home and sending in? Do we always want to do this in the veterinary clinic? How do you how do you work that? Because this has been a new test, we focus completely on veterinary use only so that they can get the results and analyze them uh, for what's best for the pet owner. But we will make it available, and we do actually make it available for pet owners. Uh, but we do ask them that when we get the results, we need to copy their veterinarian so that if they have any questions, they have a deep resource to go talk to them about what that A1C result yeah. And, and see, Becky, the way I see this being utilized is this replaces a home glucometer for feline diabetes management, right? This is, you can send, if, you, if you're listening today and Gus, I really want to get your feedback, but part of the workflow goes like this. We've diagnosed your cat with diabetes. We've started an insulin regimen and here's some some cards, which they literally are a card, like a postcard. And we want you to take it home. And then in two months, you're going to like put two drops of blood and you teach them how to get, you know, ear capillary, you know, blood testing, but you only need two, three, four, five drops of blood. So I think it's completely transformative and actually how you could manage this at home. Am I right? I here? say absolutely. In fact, we get 
pet owners who call and talk to us or send emails just passionate about how this has changed their life with managing their cat by the ability to just put a couple drops of blood on, mail it to us, get an A1C result and feel like, yeah, they're managing their cat really well now at home um, and the cat seems to be doing so much better. So it's such an easy, I guess that's the other thing about this, it's such an easy result that when you get an A1C back, let's say for your cat and it's three you know you're doing great. You don't have to interpret it. There's no complicated to it. So report card is so easy. You just like, okay, for the last semester, obviously I'm doing a great job on managing my cat's diabetes. Yep. It's, it's a no brainer. So I, I know Gus, you have put together a couple of websites that are not branded. They just sort of tell all the current literature and evidence for A1C. Could you maybe give our viewfinder family those links? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to dive into the research that all this is funded on, there's a1ccats.com and a1cdogs.com. And you'll, I think, be really impressed with how much research has been done over the last 10 to 20 years on A1C and even how it relates to cats and dogs. And our other branded site is a1carepetspets.com because A1care is the brand of the A1C test, how we brand it. And you could go to that and find out more information like how the test works and, and, and some of the ins and outs frequently asked questions. And then if you wanted to try this vet, this test with your veterinarian and want to try it at no charge, just call our 800 number. It's 800-213-1439. And we'd be happy to send you one at no cost. Yeah. And that's, you really should try this for yourself because I think when you see the simplicity of this test and then you get the results back, I mean, this is, it, it, yeah, it, it's just going to blow your mind. And you can see why, again, with someone who's, you know, interested in and worked in pet obesity for many years, you can see why I'm so, so excited about this. Um, quickly here, what about cost? I know, I mean, I don't know how much you can talk about that, but I mean, cost is one of the other advantages of this. Can you talk about like how much it costs per test or anything like that? Yeah. So the cost is $49 per test, and that includes everything, including the prepaid mailer with tracking to get it back to our lab. And, and that's it. And we typically sell it in five packs. Like I said, it's available from all distributors. So if you're a veterinarian listening to this podcast, you'll know that you can get this test from your veterinarian in the next day into your clinic, or you can get it from us directly. And, and so I, I don't know what the current you know literature is, but back in the day, you know, you could use like every two months, you could, if you're a, a, a decently or well-managed uh, cat, you could do it every two months and then maybe every two to three months for dogs. Do you have any advice around like actually when the timing of these tests would be? Yeah. So we suggest if your dog is elderly or overweight, that they get this test twice a year. We find that most clinics, once they've adopted A1C are doing that pretty regularly. And then for the pets that they're actively managing, they do the A1C test on average every quarter just for scheduling reasons. It's easier to get the cat or dog in just once a quarter. And so, and then that's had a profound effect on these animals. We know from the very first year that we came out with A1C test, 15% of the animals had an A1C score of uh, over 12, which on the human side is wow. unheard, unheard of. And so um, all those clinics went, by the time they got into the second year of A1C testing, they didn't have a single animal that was over an A1C of six. Wow. So again, it helps us refine our treatment. I mean, come on, viewfinders. Yeah, so I guess I want to just say, I make sure I understand that. So like when you're doing this testing, you're finding patients who even are currently under care or maybe even receiving insulin are still coming in with abnormally high levels and unhealthy high levels. Is it like, that's what you're seeing. 
yeah, it's very common for us to get on the phone with a vet after getting an A1C test back where they say, wow, I had no idea that I still didn't have this animal regulated. I was getting such variable results with glucose testing and, and fructosamine that I thought I was in the ballpark. And now with A1C, I realized that this animal was short two units, three units of insulin to get it back into a healthy range. Gus, guilty as charged. I can't tell you how many of my diabetic patients over the years, the fructosamine was close enough. It was in the ballpark. You know, it was what we had. And yeah, it's okay. It's a little high, but the reality is that's not good enough in this day and age when we have A1C where you can look back in cats, 70 day blood glucose average in dogs, 110 days blood glucose average. We can do so much better by our patients. And what's remarkable is you can actually do it more cost effectively and more simply with lower volumes of samples. Oh my gosh. Becky, what, I what am I? What, 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 I might almost like diabetes now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank on behalf of uh, veterinarians everywhere, veterinary technicians who have to struggle with getting these uh, samples. Uh, thank you, Gus Ray of Baycom Diagnostics for spending some time with us today. But more importantly, thank you for your dedication and devotion to bringing this to market. I mean, this has been a labor of love. When I first uh, started talking with you know Gus years and years ago, I mean, this was a struggle. This guy has persevered. I want to just thank you from the bottom of my heart for staying in the fight because, Gus, I believe a lot of other companies, a lot of other individuals would have given up long ago. You hit a lot of roadblocks, not just technological ones, but also just funding and getting, the, I mean, Gus, thank you. No problem. I love cats and dogs. I'm so happy to do it. But you're right. It was a, definitely a labor of love. <laughs> All right. Well, viewfinders, you've heard what we have to say. We want to hear from you. What do you think about A1C testing? Have you used it? Is this something you'd be interested in trying? If so, it sounds like uh, Gus just gave you a free trial of the test. So I would definitely take advantage of that. But we really want to hear from you on social media. And while you're asking questions about A1C or connecting with Gus and Baycom Diagnostics, don't forget to go over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. That is how the master algorithm connects us with you. And we want to reach as many of our colleagues as possible because, you know, at the end of the day, we're also kind of fighting an uphill battle. We just make content for veterinary professionals, which, you know, Apple Podcasts, algorithm gods are like, wait, what? Shouldn't you be like talking about dogs and cats? No, we want to talk to you, veterinary professionals. So rate and review us this week. It means so much. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. You can find us on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder, on Instagram at Vet Viewfinder. And don't forget to click to subscribe so you don't miss one great episode of the Veterinary Viewfinder. Until next time. Bye. Bye.